1: Good evening and welcome to Blooming Out on WFHB. I'm Jeff Poling. On tonight's episode of Blooming Out, we will have your weekly LGBTQ plus news headlines, the area's LGBT um, event calendar, our featured music, and our new segment, Trans Spotlight. But first, Let's get to our guest this evening. Um, we are really pleased to have a Professor Steve Sanders with us, and he's a, a faculty member of the I, IU Maurer School of Law. Um, he's an appellate lawyer, an author, a commentator on issues pertaining to sexuality and the law, constitutional rights, and higher education. And tonight we'll be be discussing many of these issues as there is so much to discuss there
0: really are a lot of issues today
1: <laughs> right Sarah uh, Steve welcome yeah. to the show yeah, thanks thank Joe. You, Steve
0: great to be back thank you so
1: um, we were discussing because there is so much going on right now um, uh, well the one thing I did want to to also uh, bring up is uh, today is um, a world AIDS Day, it's December 1st, 2016, and I wanted to make sure that everyone was aware of that um, as there are um, many things happening um, around the globe. Uh, Please uh, do some research and and look up what is is going on. But Steve, we were talking about all of the the things that are being affected by the, as I call it, the impending administration. There are so many different uh, concerns, to to um, use a an an understatement, there, Um, and this is something that I, I think a lot of people are just very confused about. You know where they what they should be focusing on. I mean, we we went through this crazy election time, and now we're we're seeing what is you know, coming towards us, so to speak. And we, you know, I, I, I know um, I like to get a little bit of focus and try to figure out, you know, what what should I be concerned about as far as my constitutional rights, um, my, uh, my human rights, um, so many other things. Can you start with um, maybe where we should Begin where we should get some perspective on this. Yeah.
0: I I think it's important to think about um, the new administration and the phenomenon of Donald Trump as president at a couple of different levels. Um, First is the level of what the federal government under his leadership, once he takes office effective January 20th, will actually do. Um, You know, Trump blusters a lot, and Trump on the campaign trail says, I'll do this, I'll impose a 35% tax on companies that go to Mexico. I'll repeal Obamacare. I'll do this. I'll do that. As if the president can do all these things with a stroke of a pen. I mean, many of the things that Trump promised to do actually require, you know, we still have Congress, even though it's easy to forget Congress doesn't do much anymore. We still have this thing laying around called Congress, the legislative branch, which actually appropriates money and has to pass laws for most of the things to implement most of the things Trump wants to do. So I think it's important to actually watch what's moving through congress what's moving through executive agencies in areas where the presidency or the executive branch does have the power to do things independently um you know it's one thing for trump to bluster and tweet it's another thing to actually see things happen and get implemented and and so now more than ever we need responsible sources of news we need uh, a variety of, of sources of news that cover not just um, you know the the latest uh, 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 the latest Trump uh, tweet but also what's really happening deep within our government what's changing but there's another level at which I think it's important to think about this and to worry about uh, the Trump presidency and to uh, uh, to try to educate and, and and be aware and that is um, the, the, the command, the control that Trump seems to have over the minds and passions of many people and the extent to which he is contributing, has contributed, will continue to contribute to constitutional and political ignorance. So just an example from two days ago, I think it was, when he uh, sort of, you know, belched out this tweet that basically anybody who burns the American flag should be stripped of their citizenship. And, you know, I'm sure that there are a substantial number of his supporters and Who, you know, think that's just a dandy idea and can't wait for Donald Trump to sign something to make that happen. Well, you know, the Supreme Court, you know, more than a decade ago ruled that punishments for burning the flag are unconstitutional. Flag burning is protected as a form of expressive speech under the First Amendment. Even Mitch McConnell, the Republican Senate Majority Leader, to his credit said, Look, this is a settled issue. I agree with the Supreme Court. You know, flag burning is constitutional. Uh, So I I think, you know, credit where credit is due. Even a fairly conservative Republican pushed back against Trump on that. But as as I said, I think Trump will continue in his tweets and his speeches to contribute to um, the dumbing down of our constitutional knowledge and our political understanding. And that's important to try to stay on guard to protect. It sure
1: is. it sure is, um, uh, and and I feel that there's just there, there's so little information to, to begin with out there, and people are 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 wondering where where to turn for for actual um, news to, for the truth. Um, so we have um, you know mainstream media feeding us what. Mm-hmm. You know, basically, they they want to, to feed. Um, so the and, and and you're talking about you know the uh, the different um, effects that a, a Trump administration may have. I know that um, cabinet appointees is is one that is right there. It's in, in you know you, you everyone has read um, the uh, possible p- appointees we've we've read their backgrounds um but as you was dis- you were discussing with me earlier um the focus right now is not on the supreme court and it really should be and that's where and th- that's where the concern for lgbtq mm-hmm. um rights um should be focused in it, it seems
0: mm-hmm. Uh, Well, it's actually one place. I think there are some more immediate dangers we can talk about elsewhere in the executive branch, such as um, the work that the Department of Education and the Department of Justice have done to protect transgender rights. That's almost certainly going to go away and going to change. But as for the Supreme Court, it's important to remember first that, um, you know, whoever Trump's first appointment is to the Supreme Court is going to replace Antonin Scalia. It would be really, really, really hard to find somebody (laughs) who would be more concerned. Conservative than Antonin Scalia. Good so point. you know if you want to look on the bright side, you know the, the basically the Supreme Court that we've been accustomed to for quite a few years now, that balance, um, five to four conservative or four to four with Justice Kennedy as a swing vote, however you want to think about it, you know we're going to get back to that. Uh, and, and chances are that Trump could appoint somebody who actually won't be quite as hardcore or ideologically committed to particular visions of the Constitution that Justice Scalia. Was, um, you know, what's really going to matter is if and when Trump gets a second appointment. If Ruth Bader Ginsburg or Stephen Breyer or Anthony Kennedy retire or die sometime in the future, that'll be the appointment that tips the balance of the Supreme Court. Um, back in May, Trump put out a list of twenty twenty one people. He said, you know, I- I've consulted the Heritage Foundation and the Federalist Society, and you know, I will pick my Supreme Court. Pointees nominees from this list. You know, I have to say that the All the people on that list, I mean, none of them are crazy. I mean, they are all, with one exception, currently sitting judges, most of them on either federal courts of appeals or state supreme courts. There's one U.S. Senator, Mike Lee, who was on the list, but I think has since actually had a falling out with Trump. Um, You know, so, yes, many of these people are quite deeply conservative, but they are at least within the judicial mainstream sufficiently to already be on important courts and having been through appointment and nomination processes, some of them are are more uh, ideologically conservative, rigidly conservative than others. Some are actually quite thoughtful, even though they'd be identified as conservatives or Republicans. Uh, You know, I I don't think they would be champing at the bit, say, to overturn Roe versus Wade as soon as they can. Some of them would, some of them wouldn't. So Mm -hmm. we'll see who he appoints.
1: Sure, sure. Well, that's, that's, I guess, a little bit of um, silver lining in the cloud then (laughs) that... uh,
0: you mentioned LGBT rights. I mean, I, I also am willing to go out on a limb and say same-sex marriage is here to stay. I, I mean, it it yeah. is. You know, I I really don't see. Any serious possibility that the court is going to revisit that question? And I think,
2: uh, oh, sorry, pardon me. And I think in an interview uh, President-elect Trump gave recently, he said that that decision was final. I mean, and, and well, yeah,
0: I mean that that's well, that's just Trumpy, Trump. how he, he said he, he, it. Yes, a, a decision, a decision a year ago. He says, well, that's mm-hmm. settled law. But he still acknowledges that Roe versus Wade, A decision from yeah, 1973. I, he would be happy to see overturned. So what Trump says, you know, doesn't yeah, matter all I, that much. I've it's, noticed that too. It, yeah. It's what his appointees. <laughs> Would do. But, mm-hmm. but even if somebody, you know, sort of deeply concerned well, again, the first pick is going to be just replace Scalia. Scalia voted against Obergefell anyway. Mm-hmm. That's the gay marriage decision. That's not going to change. But even if he gets a second appointment, I mean, one, the case has to somehow get to the Supreme Court. It's mm-hmm. really difficult to see how um, a, a case actually gets to the Supreme Court. Who brings a case? Who's an injured party? Who's a plaintiff to get a case to the Supreme Court to, to try to overturn um, a, gay and lesbian people's right to marry. So it's hard to see how a case even gets to the court. And I just think we're too far down the road. Uh, mm-hmm. th- th- there's been too much reliance on that decision. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people have gotten married and are married. Um, you know, the, 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 There's clear majority support for same-sex marriage. In a way, there's just sort of never been. The country's much more ambivalent about things like abortion, for example. Uh, I, I just don't see... Uh, a, a Supreme Court uh, being willing to tamper with that with that decision at this point.
1: Okay. Well, Steve, um, we're going to get back with our discussion. We're going to take a, a short music break, uh, but we're going to continue with this discussion, um, and we have a lot of other things to to cover as well. So, um, for our first music break for this evening, um, that's from Attitude UK, and this comes from um, the release uh, recently. In the memory of a 13-year-old who killed himself after years of homophobic bullying, Um, news that a young teenager committed suicide in Australia following a campaign of homophobic bullying shook the LGBT community when it emerged um, last week. Tyrone Unsworth, a year seven student at Alspley State High School in Brisbane, uh, was Just 13 when he took his own life on Tuesday Tyrone's mother Amanda said that her son was targeted by bullies because of his perceived sexuality he was a really feminine male he loved fashion he loved makeup and the boy always picked on him she said calling him gay boy faggot fairy it was a constant thing from year five she told the Courier-Mail following the teenager's tragic death Sydney based singer-songwriter jack colwell released a single called no mercy having originally been written in response to the anti-safe schools attacks that have dominated politics in that country colwell has pledged to donate 100 percent of the proceeds from the track to q life and it's a counseling service for lgbt um, plus people in australia I wrote this song a few months ago, and it came to me very quickly, he told uh, Pedestrian TV. I was feeling very angry about the campaign against safe schools, that it was gathering steam. It was also a song that connects my past to my present. It describes my personal experience of homophobia and living in fear, but as an adult, I've learned to reclaim that fear and reclaim the words used to torture me. The singer went on to explain how Tyrone's death inspired him to release the song for charity. After a year that has seen a sustained campaign against the Safe Schools program, the suicide of a 13-year-old boy who wanted nothing more than to grow up to be a vet or a fashion designer and our government moving LGBT people around as though they're chess pieces, he says, I felt uh, to release this song urgently to let young people know that we're listening to them and that we hear them and see them. Almost every time I perform No Mercy live, Someone will approach me after the show to single out the song and let me know that it was a positive for them to hear their experience being vocalized. So here is Jack Caldwell's No Mercy.
3: I'm gonna take back the innocence he stole from me Cause when I feel again, I'll point the finger, and you'll be first. Or oh, there'll be no mercy, and while we're strobing from me. shed my skin. I'll teach my body to replace your How? Oh, what do you see when you look at me? What do you see when you look at me? You're empty
2: Listen to Jack Colwell's newest single No Mercy here on Blooming Out on WFHB. We're back here live in the studio with Professor Steve Sanders, Steve Sanders, pardon me, and we are going to continue discussing the events of the election and what the LGBT community faces under the new administration of President-elect Donald Trump.
1: Thanks, Sarah. Um, We were discussing earlier um, Steve about the the rights of LGBT people, in particular, how far we've come over the last um, couple years on trans issues, and and I understand um, that you have quite a concern for mm-hmm. the future of of trans issues. It, Could you talk more about why?
0: I think think I'd say we've come a a, a huge distance on lesbian and gay issues, and we're, you know, trans issues are are right now in the mix. But I think there's Mm -hmm. still a a, a huge amount of ignorance and misunderstanding. I think the fight for transgender rights and equality is at a very delicate stage right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm worried that the Supreme Court agreed to hear um, the uh, case involving Gavin Grimm, a transgender boy from uh, the state. Virginia, who's uh, fighting his school district in order to be used the bathroom, to use the bathroom that matches his expressed gender. Uh, right. He's represented by the ACLU. The ACLU took the case to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court granted it. Um, I have some serious reservations, and these are shared by other people who uh, I'm in conversation with on constitutional rights related to LGBT people. We're worried the time is not right yet. In other words, mm-hmm. before same-sex marriage came to the Supreme Court, we had a period of 20 years where there was dialogue and discussion. We were building what con law scholars called a sort of a constitutional culture around the idea of lesbian and gay rights. Mm-hmm. I worry that has not happened yet with transgender rights, and and there's going to be a lot of misunderstanding about what this case is actually about. And if um, the ACLU and Gavin Grimm lose, um, that's going to be a significant Setback, um, almost more morally than legally, um, but there are some more immediate implications to the Trump, uh, the change in administration. You know, we tend to focus so much on the personality in the White House, we forget that a presidential election is also about who controls the vast machinery and bureaucracy of the of the executive branch of the federal government. Um, and that includes many offices that provide legal guidance and file lawsuits and threaten lawsuits in order to protect federal rights. And so, for example, under the Obama administration, the United States Department of Education and its Office of Civil Rights have been very aggressive in um, really pressuring local school districts, again, to treat transgender students with respect and in particular to allow them to use facilities that are consistent with their expressed gender identity. the actual legal authority for that position is a little thin there is no actual congressional there's no federal statute there are some federal regulations that the Department of Education has been aggressive in interpreting but the point is it's unlikely we'll continue to see that in a Trump uh, Department of Education not necessarily because the person who's going to lead it is a bigot but you know it's not a high priority th- right. these kinds of issues and the 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 uh, interpretation of federal regulations that obama's office of civil rights has taken is a sort of aggressive uh reading of federal law and and requirements of school districts and i think that's just likely to go away similarly uh the united states and north carolina are locked in a lawsuit currently about north carolina's um anti-gay and transphobic house bill 2. will the trump department of education under jeff sessions continue to push that suit and maintain that suit you know, I, I have some doubts.
1: Uh, yes, I can understand why.
0: So, so I think there are ways in which the, 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 the executive branch of the federal government under Obama mm-hmm. has been certainly supportive of, of lesbian and gay rights, but particularly has been done everything it can, even pushing the envelope a bit of existing law to try to protect transgender individuals, particularly transgender students. I expect that's going to go away.
1: A very unfortunate um, scenario if if that in in fact happens. And Steve, you were also you said you know we're, we're talking about the Department of Education, but also um, the Department of Justice, right? Being um, it, it could be w- under the new administration could could be quite different and and have. Have quite uh, priorities that are not at all like what we've seen.
0: Jeff Sessions, uh, a senator from Alabama, uh, you know, had one of the worst uh, uh, LGBT rights voting records in Congress. Was certainly a foe of same-sex marriage and so forth. Again, um, you know, marriage I think is a is a settled issue. We we don't yet have a federal statute. We don't have a law at the federal level that protects gay, lesbian, bisexual or transgendered persons against discrimination. But, you know, there's been support for that for decades and we haven't had it. Uh, We didn't get one under Obama. That's something Congress has to pass. And I don't know that Obama fought particularly hard for that. I, I think he just sort of saw the prospects of being fairly hopeless under a Republican Congress. So that's not going to get any worse, but it's not going to get any better either. Uh, you know, one thing that the Department of Justice does have a big hand in is the vetting and selection of um, dozens of federal judges below the level of the Supreme Court. So we're focused on the Supreme Court, but there are you know hundreds of federal judges sitting on district courts and courts of appeals all over the country. One hallmark of the Obama administration was the great diversity mm-hmm. of the judicial appointments, that the, the trial judges and the appellate judges that the Obama administration pointed, which the Justice Department has a significant role in vetting and recommending the number of African-American, Hispanic, women, openly gay and lesbian, Uh, federal judges has gone way up under Obama, the number of people with backgrounds, not just in corporate law, but people who did labor law and civil rights law in their careers before becoming federal judges. Once again, you know, the uh, cast, you know, what's important, the characteristics uh, of judges that are appointed under this administration are likely to look quite different than what we got used to under Obama.
1: And I know recently um, there uh, was the um, the anti-LGBTQ um, provision from the defense bill that the Republicans we've we've already seen um, we've we've seen what their priorities are. Mm-hmm. We, you know they will go out of their way to 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 try to slide these these um, anti-LGBTQ um, you know bills in or or. or you know, yeah. wording. You yeah. Know.
0: yeah. So this is not you know the nineteen the the, the Congress of Newt Gingrich in nineteen ninety six that passed the federal defense of marriage act. You're not going to see, I think, people openly giving you know blatantly homophobic uh, speeches on the floor of Congress but you're right I mean the, 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 that that constituency still is important to the Republican Party the Republican platform passed this summer uh, is extremely anti-gay and homophobic and so you know when there is an opportunity to sort of insert those issues into in a sort of quiet, you know, dark of night way, I think uh, conservative Republicans will still try to do it. The issue you mentioned specifically has to do with uh, President Obama signed an executive order that prohibits federal contractors from discriminating against LGBT individuals. Co- President can do that. President can't pass a law that protects all employers from doing that, but he can at least uh, protect uh, uh, workers for companies that do business with the federal government. I'd, I'd be surprised if Trump. Um, rene- uh, 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 Repeals that executive order. Mm -hmm. Um, Trump seems, it seems to be important to Trump to appear to be. Uh, uh, relatively tolerant and moderate in LGBT rights. The specific uh, congressional action you're referring to, I think, involved efforts by Republicans to weaken that executive order by adding in uh, so-called religious liberty protections to try to open the door to give broad exemptions right. from that law. The latest I've seen online is that that language has now been removed from the defense bill, so it, it the language that would have weakened the executive order protecting LGBT employees Employees of federal contractors seems to at least for the moment have gone away.
1: Right, and and let's um, talk just briefly about we we were discussing the the U.S. businesses and um, there just recently um, the story about the carrier deal and um, that that's very concerning for so many people. Um, although uh, the LGBT community may not. You know, look at that as a as something that directly affects. It's 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 not really something that affects you know the, the rights of of LGBT people, but but it is something to be concerned of um, about. Um, can you? Can you maybe?
0: Mention I mean, the way or? I would process that, sure. I, I mean, it, yeah. it, it's a wonderful thing for our fellow Hoosiers who will get to keep their jobs. There's certainly, you know, LGBT people among those employees or in, within their families who would have been affected if they had lost their jobs. So, sure, it's a good thing for those people, obviously. But the way I would look at this is, you know, Trump can't, you know, keep pulling a rabbit out of his head every week like this. I mean, basically, if you look at the stories today, you know, the the carrier was bought off. I mean, it, it, there's a significance to the fact that Mike Pence had not yet resigned as governor, even though he's deeply involved in preparations to be vice president, because Trump needed Mike Pence still as governor. So Pence could push through and engineer what I've read are something like, you know, seven million dollars over a period of years in giveaways uh, mm-hmm. and subsidies to carrier. So, you know, they bought off the company with sure. some generous. Uh, uh, some some generous uh, uh, financial incentives that the state of india they're coming out of the pockets of all hoosiers in the state of indiana um along with some pressure from the bully pulpit of trump but you know he can't do that for every company that's thinking of moving to mexico right uh you know this this is a one-shot thing and this gets back to something i said earlier i fear that you know you know people who don't pay close attention to what's going on, you know, will see this and think, Oh, Trump's a miracle worker. Trump is doing exactly what he said he was going to do to protect the working guy. And Trump wants them to see that and wants to distract them from the fact that he's appointing millionaire after millionaire to his cabinet and, and giving, you know, seeming to give a wink and a green light to Paul Ryan who wants to uh, significantly weaken uh, Medicare uh, and and do all sorts of, uh, and, 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 you know, Trump wants to cut taxes and everything about what we've seen of Trump's economic policy would be a boon for the rich and harmful to working people. That's what's important, not, you know, a few hundred jobs here in Indiana, although Trump's going to try as hard as he can uh, to to play that up because that looks flashy, that gets – A quick that that gets attention and distracts us from what his actual policies and cabinet appointments look like.
1: Right, and um, as uh, Senator Bernie Sanders says, his problem with that is his concern is that that could be opening the door to uh, which it um, for U.S. businesses where they can um, threaten. To offshore the jobs just to get tax benefits and things. Well, like
0: well, sure. I mean, this is a game that that corporations have been playing for decades already. I mean, pitting one state against another, uh, you know, almost having an auction to see, you know, well, will Mississippi or Missouri give us the better deal? Give us the bigger tax breaks? Give us the better incentives if we build this plant here? And and so um, th- this is a game seeking tax benefits and subsidies and other financial incentives uh, uh, from states that companies have been playing for years. Now, I guess, yeah, this seems to be a signal that they're going to try it with the federal government as well. But but again, it's important to remember um, the money for this Carrier deal deal is actually coming from the state of Indiana and from ultimately the pockets of Hoosier taxpayers. It's not coming from the federal budget or from Donald Trump.
2: Sure. So, sure. Professor Sanders, I want to uh, ask a very practical question to end this interview on. Um, so, as as somebody very... Uh, uh, you know, aware of the law and unaware of how people can kind of learn, you know, what is capable within the next four years of the administration? What are constitutional rights? Do you have any recommendations on where people can go to become more aware and, and prepare themselves for the next four years in terms of what could potentially happen? And how how you know people in general should be you know more more aware of how the branches of the government can operate for the next four years.
0: I, I, I mean, at one level, fairly basically, you know, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, um, as well as our local news sources. I read someplace that the New York Times, since election day, has experienced a huge spike in subscribers. Uh, so much for what Donald Trump calls the failing New York Times. They seem to be doing okay as a result mm-hmm. of Donald Trump. I mean, just basic new you know, not just relying on twitter or facebook Mm -hmm. but actually reading news sources the indianapolis star the bloomington herald times i mean buy subscriptions to those websites if you have to but there are an, an awfully there are some awfully good, I think, progressive websites and, and sources of news, websites and Twitter feeds that are free. One of my favorites is Think Progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, think Progress is a great uh, uh, LGBT, er, a great online resource, not just for LGBT mm-hmm. issues but for progressive issues generally. It's sort of the communications arm of the Center for American Progress, and so uh, you know that that is certainly a feed I subscribe to. And you know, uh, uh, commentators like E.J. Dion, who are thoughtful progressives, Um, you know, publications like the New York Times.
2: um, I would also recommend the Constitution. Uh, just, you know, the basic constitution, you know, knowing knowing our rights and the the first 10 amendments and knowing what, what is capable of the government sure, as it is sure.
0: but, but also, uh, you know, sort of people who, you know, in the the words of the constitution often only gets you so far. It's the interpretation of mm-hmm. those words that often matters. And so, you know, reading the arguments of prominent scholars, people like Lawrence Tribe at Harvard, for example, uh, who, who tweets, uh, you know, about constitutional rights. So also reading commentary about constitutional rights is important.
2: Wonderful. Well, Professor Sanders, thank you so much for joining this evening. Uh, I believe that's all the time we have for this interview. Uh, we certainly do look forward to discussing these topics as they develop, uh, especially uh, after the inauguration in January. Um, thank you so much for coming. It sure. was wonderful to have you. My the pleasure. Studio. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you. Excellent. Now we're going to introduce a new segment to you that was produced by our own new Blooming Out volunteer, Grace Thumster. Grace will be looking into the trans- transgender community in her segment, yeah. Trans Spotlight.
4: Hello and welcome to the first installment of our new segment, Trans Spotlight. My name is Grace and I will be bringing you a dose of trans positivity from around Bloomington and the world. There are many challenges facing the trans community, but we here at Blooming Out want to take this time to free your mind of the pressures and tension and just serve some happy news. And what better time to start up this segment than the tail end of Trans Awareness Month. Make sure to give some love to the trans folks in your life and take a moment to study up on your trans history. So many incredible, influential trans individuals have shaped the nature of our society and the LGBT community, and the internet is full of their stories. First up, we have some tech news. The popular dating and hookup app Tinder has recently added more gender options, including trans and non-binary identities. It has an option for for any identity, even fill in the blank, and allows the user to decide which searches they would like to be included in, as the app requires a broader ability to match users. It also allows the user to choose whether or not their gender is displayed on their profile, an important feature for the safety of trans individuals the app worked with GLAAD and many other queer activists to make the best and safest options available to the public. This is a warmly welcomed update for the queer community and a step in the right direction for modern tech. Next, we have an exciting update for trans representation in media. Transgender Talent is the first talent agency which will specifically work with trans actors. It's no secret that the roles of trans women are repeatedly dished out to cis men, a trend with no validation given the large number of incredible trans actresses in the industry. The founder of Transgender Talent, Ann Thomas, is working to connect the stories with the people who have experienced them by using her major influential voice for trans individuals exclusively. Anne works hard to make sure the roles are positive representations of the trans community and landed Jackson Malarker his role on Modern Family, marking the first appearance of a transgender child actor on television. Finally, some news I find extremely exciting. The personal memoir of trans activist and leader of the punk rock band Against Me, Laura Jane Grace, has just been released to the public. One of my personal heroes, Laura, is self-described as punk rock's most infamous anarchist sellout and bears all in her new autobiography. I've already got my copy, but if you're interested in her riveting tell-all, the book hit shelves as of November 15th. That's all for today from Trans Spotlight. Keep tuning in for more on the latest news announcements and tidbits of trans positivity
2: support for WFHB and Blooming Out comes from the back door downtown Bloomington's queerest bar, dance club and venue, from live bands and DJs to drag shows and karaoke there is something for everyone, every day of the week the back door is located at 207 South College in the alley behind Atlas Bar and more information can be found on Facebook or online at bckdoor.com
1: And it's time for our LGBTQ News Roundup. Courthouse Newswire reports that a U.S. federal appeals court heard arguments Wednesday in an anti-LGBT workplace discrimination case out of South Bend, Indiana. Kimberly Hively, a former adjunct math professor, sued Ivy Tech Community College, alleging that she was fired for being a lesbian. She had worked at the college's South Bend campus since 2000 and had been passed over for promotions for years until her contract was terminated in 2014. Hively's complaint claimed that her firing violates Title VII of the Federal Civil Rights Act of 1974, which prohibits employers from discriminating against employees on the basis of sex, race, color, national origin, and religion. Hively first sued Ivy Tech in a U.S. district court in 2015, which ruled in favor of Ivy Tech on the grounds that Title VII does not apply to LGBT people. As a client of Lambda Legal, Hively appealed the district court's decision to a panel of the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals in July, which affirmed the district court's ruling. The appeals court agreed to review the case in yesterday's hearing. Hively's attorney, Lambda Legal's Gregory Nevin, said that the case argues that heteronormativity is, quote, the ultimate gender stereotype and thus prohibited by the sex discrimination clause in Title VII. If the court rules in Hively's favor, this stands to be the country's biggest win for LGBT rights since Obergefell v. Hodges in
2: In national news, the Texas Tribune reported last Wednesday that four Latina lesbians known as the San Antonio Four have been exonerated after 20 years in a prison as a child sexual assault case. The Texas Court of Criminal Appeals acquitted the women, vacating their sentences and granting them writs of actual innocence. In 1994, Elizabeth Ramirez babysat two of her nieces in her San Antonio apartment, When they returned home, the girls, aged 7 and 9, told their grandmother that Ramirez, her ex-girlfriend, and another lesbian couple had assaulted them. Three years later in 1997, Ramirez was convicted and sentenced to 40 years in prison. Her co-defendants received 15 years each. In 2012, one of their accusers revealed that she was coerced into making a false confession. The court order for their exoneration reads, quote, the, those defendants have won the right to proclaim to the citizens of Texas that they did not commit a crime, that they are innocent, that they deserve to be exonerated. These women have carried that burden. They're innocent and they are exonerated. This court grants them the relief they seek, End quote.
1: In Indiana news, a Bloomington man was barred from singing at his grandmother's funeral mass at St. Mary of the Assumption Church in Decatur, Indiana. This comes from a Tuesday report by Wayne. Connor Hakes, a vocal performance graduate of the Jacobs School of Music, said when he asked permission to perform at the service, a new priest at the parish responded with a letter that said, quote, the Catholic Church upholds the dignity of those with same-sex attraction. At the same time, it does not permit same-sex relationships or openly advocating for them." End quote. Hakes said that the priest, Friar Bob J. Uh, Lendrich, had based his condemnation on a Facebook photo a friend had posted of Hakes at a Pride event years ago. Lendrich's letter goes on to say that St. Mary warmly welcomes, quote, LGBT parishioners to worship but that Hake's participation during his grandmother's funeral mass, a public service, would cause scandal. The church defines scandal as, quote, an attitude or behavior which leads another to do evil. This comes from the Catholic Church. Uh, LeGenerich says that Hake's performance was welcome at any time outside of the funeral mass itself. Hake shared this letter on Facebook. He told... Wavy News Channel 15 quote: "This was coming from a man, a priest out of my home parish that I have always felt very loved and welcomed in." Said Hakes. All of a sudden, I felt very ostracized.
2: Our final thought. Our final song this evening uh, is a beautiful piece by Conlenth Kane from Gay Times UK. Quote, when Conleth Kane shared a video of himself singing about a recent breakup, he definitely didn't expect it to go viral. But that's exactly what it did. The singer from Lurgan, Northern Ireland, penned "The Grass Is Greener," an anthem about his broken heart following sudden following a sudden and unexpected end to a relationship. It had tens of thousands of hits on Facebook, and he's now releasing a studio version for the world to hear. Conleth Kane was squeezed in last minute to perform this single. Uh, at the World AIDS Day extravaganza in London, which is happening today, December 1st. Kane has spent 10 years in theater and TV, so to make the crossover into music the past year has been both smooth and rocky at times. He says, I hope people enjoy my performance. Performing is what I do best. Plus, it's a great cause, and I'm honored to be part of such a worthy fundraiser. This is Conleth Kane with The Grass is Greener.
5: other side, and you, you said you'd always be here, by my side, with you, the sun shone down on me like never before, but you're not here anymore they say the grass is greener like never before, but you're not here anymore. With you I saw The grass was greener on the other side And now you're just a memory not by my side With you the sun shone down on me like never before But you're not here anymore, but you're not here anymore.
2: just listened to conleth's Kane moving piece to the grass is greener here on blooming out on wfhb now it's time for our weekly lgbtq area event calendar starting it off on saturday december 3rd there will be a trans day of remembrance event at the Moreau county public library this is an annual event to memorialize the lives of, trans- of transgender individuals lost due to transphobic violence Snacks and refreshments will be, be provided, and the event begins at 4.30 p.m. That's this Saturday, December 3rd.
1: Indiana Youth Group's largest fundraiser of the year is on Saturday, December 3rd. A live silent auction on unique art, celebrity item gift baskets, gift certificates, and more. The event takes place at 8 p.m. at the Indiana Landmark Center. Discounted tickets are available through... The IYG's website. That's the Indiana Youth Groups website.
2: Do you have an LGBTQ plus child, family member, or friend that you love and support? Join the White River P flag and the Univer- Unitarian Universalist Rainbow Rights Task Force for their monthly family support meeting on Wednesday, December fourteenth, from four thirty to seven thirty p.m. at the, Univer- uh, the Unitarian Universalist Church in Bloomington.
1: Finally, the Coryland Men's Course Winter Concert will be coming soon. Join the course at this year's concert, titled Traditions, on either Friday, December 17th, or Saturday, December 18th. It's in its 15th year the course will be reprising favorites and performing new discoveries. Traditions includes past favorites such as Silver Bells, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, along with new selections such as Festival Gloria by Randall Jackson and a twist on I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. Tickets are available online through the Coryland Men's website.
2: That is all the time we have for this evening, and we would like to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. If you are interested in volunteering here at WFHB or with our show, please contact me, Sarah Hetrick, WFHB's volunteer coordinator at volunteer at WFHB.org. That is volunteer at WFHB.org. You can also call us at the station at 812-323-1200, tweet us at BloomingOutWFHB, or visit our BloomingOut Facebook page, or you can also find us on Instagram. The executive producer of Blooming Out is Joe Crawford, and the producer is Ryan Shaddy. Our associate producer and board engineer is myself, Sarah Hetrick. Our news today was written by Catherine De La Rosa. Our theme music is an original composition produced by... Uh, For Blooming Out by Aaron Gage, and the segment Trans Spotlight was produced by Grace Thumster.
1: All right. For Blooming Out and Sarah Hetrick, I'm Jeff Poling. Please tune in again next Thursday at 6 p.m. or join us online at bloomingout.com.
0: Thank you for joining us on Blooming Out. Be sure to find us online for past episodes, behind-the-scenes exclusives, and more at bloomingout.com. And don't forget to tune in every Thursday at 6 p.m. for Blooming Out on WFHB.